0: This is a CBC Podcast.
1: Hey, I'm Claire Bonnieman.
0: And I'm Mindariwal.
1: And welcome to The Loop. Hey, Min. Yes? Did you hear that Elon Musk bought Twitter?
0: Did I hear... Did you? Do you know? Did it's you? like in my face every day. I go to sleep. I see Elon Musk. I wake up. I see Elon Musk. I look at the Twitter logo. I see Elon Musk. Like I've had enough of this guy. I hope he doesn't hear this or he's going to cancel me and I'm going to lose my Twitter You're
1: going to lose your check mark at least. No, yeah. Oh, at this point, on. we all know Elon Musk bought Twitter. It's leaving a lot of people wondering what's happening with the Internet's favorite health site. Uh,
0: yeah, wait a week.
1: On top of that... There, I like there, as you said. Wait, wait. There's so many headlines Maybe wait a coming day. out. Things are changing. Like even within the last 24 hours, things started and then ended, and then he killed That's them, crazy. and then they came back. There's too much going on, so it's safe to say you're watching the confusion unfold, like I am. A. Eh?
0: I, I don't know if uh, he's. <laughs> I think I, I just see this imploding in front of him. Like you know, he bought it for 44 billion. I just, I don't know, I don't even know if it's worth half of that anymore. It's,
1: well, there's a lot of questions about the value of Twitter, the future of Twitter. Absolutely. What Elon will do next. Um, I have found us help to make sense of all of this. Thank you. Dana DiTomaso is the president and partner at Kickpoint an Edmonton-based digital marketing agency. And today she is our Twitter whisperer. Dana, hello and help. <laughs> I cannot guarantee any help, but I can certainly <laughs> trash talk Twitter. Well, I mean, I'm good at that. Yeah, I, I that I'm here for. I also am just curious about kind <laughs> of the context because this has been a really long
2: time coming. Can you just walk me through the purchase up to now? Yeah. So basically. Um, Musk originally was going to buy Twitter because he was annoyed about free speech or something. Who knows? You know, rich people There's like, I'm going to buy a company. <laughs> uh, and then he changed his mind and decided, tried to get out of it. And then Twitter took him to court to say, no, no, you have to buy it now. You said you were going to. And then he decided that buying Twitter was actually the easier thing to do as opposed to losing a court case. Ah. So it's The Intercept, uh, a blog I really enjoy. Described it as possibly the greatest you can't fire me because I quit moment in history. <laughs> uh, I totally
0: agree with that assessment. I mean, what kind of things has he done since buying this site?
2: Oh boy. So,
0: <laughs> yeah, we put out a
2: statement on Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> called Dear Twitter Advertisers. He says he bought it right. because, and I quote, it is important to the future of civilization to have a common digital town square. Twitter's a lot of things, it is not important to the future of civilization. Uh, Pretty sure we'd just be fine if Twitter went away tomorrow. Agreed. We'll survive. (laughs) We'll find something else.
0: Right.
2: Uh, I mean, his original motivation was free speech, right? And the reason why he said, dear Twitter advertisers, is because advertisers are getting a little nervous because free speech means that you're going to have horrible trash show up on places because free speech often means I want people to be able to post whatever they want, even if it's disparaging or hateful to other people without Mm. repercussions, which is not actually how free speech works. And so what advertiser is going to pay money to have their ad show up next to some horrible racist trash? Right. Literally no one. Yeah. And on top of that, companies like GM, who are actively competing with Musk in the electric car space, are also not going to be like, yeah, sure, I'm going to give my competitor money to advertise on his platform. Absolutely not. So they pulled their ads immediately. Other advertisers are following. Musk is freaking out because they're not making any money. They lay off a bunch of people. They're like, oh, wait, no, we needed that guy. They ask a bunch of people to come back. And then uh, as of us recording this today, they are uh, possibly rolling out the feature to remove the blue check marks, but not well. And then some other feature got turned off and then turned back on again. I don't even know. It just sounds like, it's like that, that, you know, that, Uh, The Naked Gun movie, Leslie Nielsen, Uh, (laughs) in front of the burning building. It's like nothing to see here. Please disperse. Like that's literally Twitter at the moment.
1: Well, uh, the interesting thing about Twitter, too, is that all of all of us as people who are on Twitter, we are kind of the content generators for the website. The inherent value of it kind Mm -hmm. of lies in the folks that are on it. How are Twitter users reacting to these changes that he's
2: making and the direction it's going? So one of the interesting things that happened when he took over, suddenly there was a whole bunch of new Twitter users, but it was unlikely these were real people. It was probably right-wing bots who were like, well, great, they're not going to kick us off now. I'm just going to uh, go ahead and bot it up.
3: Mm-hmm. Uh,
2: but what's <laughs> what's happening from actual humans who use the platform, they're either thrilled because they they want to see more horrible trash on the platform, or they're thinking about leaving elsewhere, You know, setting up something else. They may not be abandoning Twitter, but they're coming up with an escape plan, which most of it is Mastodon or LinkedIn seem to be the two main uh, escape hatch options at the moment.
0: I mean, this really is a unique time, right? Nobody ever thought like, you know, that Twitter would ever end or anything like that. And I'm not, you know, saying that it is going to, but like there's almost like a power Mm -hmm. vacuum that's been created here that, you know, someone could jump in and uh, an opportunity for maybe another Twitter. You mentioned Mastodon. I mean, I think a lot of people are kind of looking at options.
2: Yeah, I mean, Mastodon feels the most Twittery, which is why I think people are jumping to that. But uh, let's let's turn our minds back to early internet and let's think about MySpace, right? <laughs> like people are like, oh, yeah. MySpace, so useful, never go away. <laughs> MySpace is gone. Yeah, Nothing replaced MySpace. People Vanished. found other ways to express themselves in the 80,000 different things you could do on MySpace, right? And it'll be the same for any other social network or website, right? Mm-hmm. We'll move on. There will be other things that won't necessarily replace it, but they will be substitutions for the connection. That that network used to provide. And I think Mastodon, because it looks the most Twittery, is, is where people are thinking, this is where I'm going to go. Mm. Will it be the place long term? I don't know. I think it's too confusing uh, and not user friendly enough to really yeah. capture the same amount of people that Twitter has. Have, you, sign-
1: have you signed up for uh, Mastodon or anything like that yet?
2: Yes, I I exist, but I have posted <laughs> one thing. Um oh, okay. like, I, I was barely using Twitter anyway. <laughs> I've been using LinkedIn a lot more actually yeah. for business stuff. Yeah. Um and I'm really enjoying Be Real for personal things, oh, which yes. is just I I have to say, I mean, I know there's a great Saturday night live skit <laughs> about it. Yeah. Um, but I just really enjoy the idea that it's just once a day and you just post something and then you just move on with your life. You don't have to like get sucked into scrolling through things. Yeah.
1: Absolutely. There's definitely that kind of move away from some of these more, I don't know, all encompassing platforms. But you talked about Mm -hmm. staffing this morning alone. um, It's November 9th. There's, you know, the official checks coming in and then going away and then he's killing things and making things Mm -hmm. and doing this and firing more people and hiring them back. It's erratic. Um, This is like chaotic. Working
3: there,
2: well, Hall of the Year Award for sure.
1: (laughs) And you can't even imagine the poor engineers who are leaving and and the new ones coming in who maybe don't know things. Like this is just all Mm -hmm. over the place. What kind of damage do you think could happen to even just the functioning of the site, given how it's being run right now?
2: Oh, uh, the fact that it's still running is actually pretty impressive. (laughs) I I would have expected it to crash last night during the uh, midterm election stuff. So the mm. fact that that it actually stayed up, I think, is a testament to the reliability engineers and and the work that they put in before some of them were laid off. I don't know if any of them came back or not. I hope that they asked for twice as much salary if they did. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think I mean I think that's a testament to the platform and the struggles they've had in the past keeping it up, up during major pivotal events such as American elections, Super Bowls, you know, the Queen's death, like big things that happen and people go on Twitter to talk about them. And so yeah, I, I think that that sort of aspect of the real-time discussion about events as they're happening, like that part probably will be missed, right? There's nothing, frankly, more fun than, say, during the Oscars, even if you're not watching, just to go on and see all the funny stuff that people are tweeting about it. And, And Twitter is a funny, funny place. And Edmonton, in particular, has a very strong very witty twitter community it's one of the things that i first noticed when i moved to edmonton was how strong twitter was there and it continues to be so so i don't know what to replace that but uh yeah it's it's fun
1: yeah i mean there's no crystal ball but can you even just the next few weeks or months do you foresee the future of twitter what do you think's gonna happen i see
0: the value certainly going down
2: (laughs) main is Uh, off
1: clearly i'm watching
0: the price tag go (laughs) lower and lower and lower
2: (laughs) Well, and as a company that buys ads for clients on social networks, Twitter is never anywhere we've ever recommended because it's garbage. You get the worst of humanity replying to ads on there. It is 100%. not. Twitter's like, I, what am I going to do with this giant pile of money? I know, I'll buy Twitter ads. Like when you've literally run out of all other options, maybe try Twitter ads. So it was never high on anyone's list anyway, which means it's easy to cut it when you decide that the platform is no good. And I think Twitter's bleeding money. And on top of that, Musk Musk's out an enormous loan to purchase it, which means that Twitter's now saddled with all this additional debt on top of the fact that they're losing all this money. And if you do the math on how much money they're going to make for the $8 um, a month of the check marks, yeah. the new verification system, it isn't even going to cover like one month of debt, oh, basically. Wow. So they have, no, they have no plan. And he's just bought the biggest lemon in history. And I really hope that... Uh, this just really sinks in that, that he's done something monumentally dumb. And actually, it reminds me a lot of what's happening also in the news today on November 8th with, uh, i sorry, November 9th, with uh, Mark Zuckerberg and Facebook. Mm. And he laid off 11,000 employees and said, you know, basically, whoops, I guess meta wasn't <laughs> what people wanted. Uh, I think he said, you know, I take full responsibility for this and then, like, didn't lay himself off, laid off a bunch of other people. So not quite full responsibility is that, Mark, if you're laying out people <laughs> who aren't you. But I think, too, there's, there's, there's a degree of, of arrogance in these kinds of decisions mm. where people think, oh, you know, I'm so smart. I know what people want. And then you actually realize that you don't know what people want, and thus you're on a sinking ship. Yeah. So, yeah, that's incredible. I suspect Oof. that things at Twitter are just going to continue to, like, circle around the drain. I don't think it's going to go away tomorrow, but... It's not going to get better.
1: Yeah. Well, thank you for painting the picture of the hellscape that is the internet. Hellscape. (laughs) We appreciate it,
2: Dana. You are welcome.
1: Twitter is known as a home for hot takes, memes, and fandoms, but also for fact-checking, political commentary, social justice, and things like breaking news. And this odd little bird website has become a huge part of many lives, careers, and communities since it launched in 2006. So, with Elon Musk buying the platform, and with everything that's happened since. I wanted to know what we actually risk losing and what this means to the people who use Twitter. Sara Darshi is the content strategist for Edmonton Mayor Emerjit Sohi, and Tim Caulfield is a professor of health law and science policy at the University of Alberta. Welcome both of you to The Loop. Thanks for Thanks having me for on. Having me. You're both what I would call um, very active Twitterers, if that's a term. <laughs> Do you guys remember when you first started your accounts?
4: I, I do, and you—you laugh because, and Sarah could probably totally relate to this. So when I first, when, when I was publishing my first, you know, book for the general public, I was meeting with, uh, you know, the the team at at uh, at Penguin in Toronto, and they go, Tim, you, you got to start a Twitter account, <laughs> and, you, and I think you need to be on Facebook. And <laughs> I was completely naive. I think 2007, I think, or 2008, 2009, that zone. Yeah. And I go, uh, how often should I tweet, like, once every two weeks? Does that sound about right?
1: (laughs) Oh, my gosh.
4: (laughs) So here we are, you know, uh, how many, what, thousands of tweets later. And, uh, yeah, it's become a a really important part, not just a a really important part, not just of my sort of... uh, um, you know, public career, but also my academic career. We do a lot of research on social media now—TikTok, uh, Instagram, uh, Facebook, uh, Twitter—because t- t- we know how influential these these platforms are.
3: I think for me, it was about the same, maybe two thousand eight, two thousand nine. I mean, um, I'll just give away my age here <laughs> a little bit, but. Um, <laughs> I was just getting out of high school that year. So I'm was. i sorry. (laughs) I'm sorry. This is a judgment-free zone. It's all good. (laughs) I think that I was using um, social media, mainly Twitter, like pretty recklessly, like just tweeting whatever thought came into my brain, (laughs) thinking, oh, my like 15, 20 friends are going (laughs) to laugh at this and we're going to move on. And then I started to really like the app. I liked that it wasn't based off of visuals. Like I do, I do enjoy Instagram and TikTok for a different reason, but I really like that you can get into real discussions. I mean, they're not as nuanced as they could be because of the character limit and no edit feature. (laughs) But since, since that time I had no idea that Twitter would end up being such a huge part of my career. And I can definitely say that I've connected, um, with so many folks. I've found community through the pandemic. Um, I think over the past two years is when my Twitter use started to really um, become more frequent. And that's kind of where I gained some followers, just tweeting about politics, tweeting about social justice, and following people like, like Tim for my COVID updates and for information. And I'm so grateful for what I've learned, for who I've connected with. I'm also a hip-hop music fan, and I love hip-hop Twitter. Yeah. Like, there's everything you could think about on Twitter. And it's... um It's sad where this might be going, but I guess that's what we're going to talk about today.
1: Yeah, we'll definitely get into that. But I mean, Tim, talking about this just use of Twitter and for the COVID updates and information, you've been doing so much fact checking and fighting misinformation throughout the pandemic. But uh, have things felt different over the last couple of weeks since ownership changed?
4: Uh, They have. And and again, I want to be really careful not to because I don't have empirical evidence to back this up. So I'm just sensing the gestalt out there. (laughs) Is that fair? Yeah. (laughs) yeah. But but I I definitely feel like it's changed. I don't know if, uh, you know, the hate mongers just feel more emboldened and they feel more comfortable um, uh, or whether it's other, you know, ideological, political things happening uh, in the Twitter space. But it definitely feels angrier and i'm definitely seeing um lots and lots and lots of misinformation. It's, look, it's always been there. It's always been there. I, and i want to i want to pick up on something that sarah said and i think she's totally right. One of the unique things about twitter and what i fear is going to be lost is that text element. And you know, people always say, "Oh, what are you going to what are you going to turn to?" There really isn't an alternative that has that plays the same role uh, in pop culture that Twitter does. You know, I, like Sarah, I, I like Instagram for different reasons. And, you know, TikTok is, you know, I think eating the world now. <laughs> so uh, it, it really is, if, if, if Twitter is completely degraded, we're really losing something.
1: Yeah. Well, I think it speaks for itself when you go on Instagram and there's screenshots of Twitter, and you go on TikTok, and there's screenshots explaining things that happened on Twitter. Right? Like it is truly a very different platform than those other ones.
4: Yeah, it, it is, and and uh, you know it's interesting because uh, it doesn't have the same audience as TikTok, which is like two billion people now, or I think Instagram's next or Facebook, but it's it's not the audience is not as big, right? And I, I think it's still Facebook, TikTok, Instagram, Twitter. But, 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 as I said, it it plays this role. Uh, there's a lot of journalists on it, a lot of academics on it. Um, uh, you have these co- policymakers having conversations on it. That doesn't happen in the same way on those other platforms. And if it becomes completely corrupted, completely polluted, then then that that method of communication is lost. And the other really important thing is something we've studied is holy cow it has a huge influence right yeah. just a massive influence on on politics on public perceptions on the dissemination of academic research on and on and on and on
1: yeah. I mean, sorry, I saw a lot of nodding when Tim was talking about the last couple of weeks and how things feel. You use Twitter both as like a human being, as personal, and, and also professionally, you work on it. What do you think that this kind of shift means for politicians or other kind of blue mark folks who, who are on this platform?
3: I think that this is going to have a really big impact. Like in my experience, personally, I'm working for the first racialized mayor that Edmonton's ever had. I'm working for an immigrant. I'm working for, you know, someone who used to work in federal politics. There are a lot of layers um, to the politician that I work for that results in a lot of unsavory comments. And, I mean, I worked on his campaign as well, and I don't want to say I'm desensitized because it's sure. never uh, it's never great to read comments like that, especially yeah. um, because I am a racialized woman as well. It's not great, but um, the fear that some of these folks are going to be even more emboldened and the fear that, you know, although the account that I'm managing is verified, has tens of thousands of followers, knowing that when I hit report on hate speech that that might not go through, it sets a really dangerous precedent for the rest of the users. First of all, um, triggering content, imagery that might be allowed um, on Twitter that might genuinely harm people's mental health. Also... Um, yeah, hate speech, racism, homophobia, transphobia—all of that. Not just that. I mean, a lot of the COVID denial type stuff that I know Tim had to deal with over the past two years. Even for me personally, um, as someone who's outspoken about social justice and politics on my personal platforms, like I—I I definitely received my fair share of misogynist comments, um, a lot of slut shaming, a lot of you know racial comments people, you know, insinuating that I can't be smart if, you know, I I show my body on social media. I see that all the time. It's not great, but I see it all the time. But at least there was this barrier of knowing, okay, I can go through the steps. Maybe I can get this reported. Maybe this person is going to understand that you can't act this way online. And now knowing that that safety mechanism is gone, I don't know that Twitter, I I wouldn't say Twitter was ever a fully safe space, but I don't know if it's, as safe as it could be for a lot of these folks who have marginalized identities. And that really scares me.
1: Yeah, because it does, it means so much to the different communities that use it. And I've seen folks connect. And and for a lot of those communities, like Twitter has been kind of a, a gathering space. Like, is that scary, the idea of losing that?
3: It absolutely is. I mean, I think that I've met so many like-minded people from really all around the world for my 10 plus years on, on Twitter. And I consider people i've made friends with online who are in my city my real life friends like i always joke like I, on the weekends i work at a bar and sometimes i'll i'll serve someone and they'll be like oh you must be sarasaurus rex i'll dox myself everybody knows my <laughs> it is the best also, handle though so i'm also, really glad you brought it up <laughs> also i'm private so if i don't want to accept you i just won't yeah but i'll i'll have people come up to me and be like I recognize you from Twitter and then we like in my brain after that interaction, we're officially real life friends. but I also feel like even the folks that I haven't met, folks that I've seen the stand up for me as though they know me in real life and vice versa. It is a really special community like and no matter what community you belong to, whether or not you're marginalized, even if you just have a hobby or a passion, there is a community out there for you on Twitter and I think it's a shame that. Um, we may not be able to cultivate these communities in the same way. And um, it's also a shame that it might not be accessible anymore. Like hearing that folks need to pay for their blue checks, folks who have worked tirelessly to earn it, people like journalists, like I'm not even talking about celebrities because we already know celebrities are celebrities, but what about local journalists who are putting out factual evidence and relaying the news to us? Them losing that blue check mark, although it's technically just a little check mark, it does mean something, in my opinion. I'd be interested to know what, what Timothy thinks, but I think that sucks.
4: <laughs> I think it sucks, too. <laughs> <laughs> I think Sarah's, like, made, you know, so many really important points there. Um, I, the the checkmark thing, look, it's it's flawed now, you know, how people get checked. But, but it, there was some kind of standard there. Um, and if that's lost, if you can just buy it, then I, I think it becomes, you know, a really messy space even messier than it is now and and this point about communities i think is is also worth emphasizing because you know i i dump on social media all the time i say you know it's such a problematic uh force in society right now but but there is this huge plus side to it and and building communities that's one of those things and there's again research to back this up right research to back up the idea that people can find communities and affirmation on social media and and if that's lost because the the place the space feels more dangerous more hostile that's a big loss, right? and And you know you're sort of sapping out you know the silver lining that exists <laughs> on social media. It's just disastrous. And so you know, look, we don't know where this is going to go uh, and and, I'm, and I worry that the reasonable voices are going to leave, and that's is going to add to the the toxic vibe on on social media. So right now, and and we can come back to this maybe a little bit later, I'm encouraging people to stay on these platforms, whether you're talking about TikTok, which has its own problems, or Twitter, stay on these platforms, because if if we leave, then it just becomes this massive, nasty echo chamber. And, and that would be, you know, really unfortunate.
1: I mean, let's get into that right now, because I'm curious, like, is this changing the way that you use Twitter at all? And and would you ever consider leaving? It sounds like it's a hard no for you, Tim.
4: uh, I, I don't think it's a hard no. <laughs> okay, where's where's the line? Like how it's 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 a no for now uh, because look, you know uh, Sarah's right. You know it, it, there's so much hate right now. There's and again a lot of really interesting research on this about the percentage of individuals in my space that get death threats, that get har- har- harassed, that uh, are are um, complained about in in a way that's done to silence them, and it's way worse for women and people of color. Right, mm-hmm. so. Uh, it's already bad is it going to get worse so my my standard is going to be um if the the platform in its totality becomes a kind of destructive force in society now what i mean by that is has has it become so polluted with negativity that it's impossible to to inject informed debate into the now people say hey tim we're already there <laughs> you're not a naive fool I don't think we are. You yeah. know, there are still wonderful communities on, on Twitter. But as soon as it gets impossible to have those conversations and and all you're doing is facilitating um, the spread of negativity, it might be time to, to to tap out. But for now, I think it's important to have these constructive voices on all of these platforms. Otherwise, we've lost not only the battle, but but maybe the war.
3: Um I agree. I'm definitely going to stick around. I won't say a hard no either to leaving the platform because I mean if it gets if it becomes an entirely unsafe and hostile place, there's there's no space for me there. Yeah. Um however, I I agree with with Timothy here that we can we can work to prevent that if we stay on the platform and if we reclaim the space for what we want to use it for. Um, I think it's really important that social media users set their personal boundaries if this is a personal account. So like for someone like me, I decided to go private because through the pandemic, some of my takes got some attention, some good, some bad. Um, Like, I mean, I thought my takes were good, always. (laughs) but, but (laughs) But I amassed this small but mighty following. It's not a huge following by any means. I'm not a verified user. I'm not a public figure. But That community means so much to me. And so for me right now, my boundary is I decided to go private upon taking the job that I have now because I didn't want my personal account to be tagged into things that have to do with my workplace that really have nothing to do with me. These are two separate things in my life and I can balance and manage them. So for me... Being on private means you can still request to follow me and I can decide. I can look at your bio and go, same values. We're not going to tussle today. Sure, because I want to have fun on this app on my personal one. Now, the work accounts I run, it's not always fun all the time. It's, um, yeah, like I said, it's a lot of angry comments. Yeah. It's, um, But it's also some good discourse. It's also good political discourse. I don't want to hear from people who agree with Mayor Amarjeet Sohi every day like, like, tell us if we're doing a good job, for sure. <laughs> but we need to hear from from folks, and we have been hearing from folks that are like, what if we did this? Could we do this better? Have you ever considered this? Have you thought about working with these people? Hey, I'm putting my hand up because I have this skill set and I'm here to help. These are Edmontonians, and connecting with Edmontonians is a whole part of professional communications. We use Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, and LinkedIn in four very different ways. Like, our content does kind of reach all of them depending on what it is, but we talk to our Twitter audiences very differently because we're hoping for engagement and we're hoping to get that feedback. Cause how else can you serve, um, how else can you serve your residents if you don't know what they're thinking? And if you don't know if they like what you're doing or not. So I agree with what Tim said that Yes, we need the reasonable voices to stay, but also I've seen people change their minds through mm. Twitter discourse and come in guns blazing on an issue, and then someone speaks to them in a way that's educational, that links a study, a peer-reviewed re- research paper, or even an opinion piece that helps them shift their perspective. And I think that that's something really special that Twitter has had, and I, I worry I understand some of the things that Elon Musk is planning on implementing as he's going through. I think right now he's just kind of on damage control <laughs> mode and he's tweeting very erratically and it's um, interesting to watch. But I um, I hope that there is still space for respectful discourse. I mean, Twitter was flawed already. We know that. We see disrespectful discourse yeah. all the time. but. I don't want it to get any worse. I feel like where it's at now is probably about as bad as I'd like it to get. (laughs) It's manageable. still those safety mechanisms for you, right? Yeah, absolutely.
1: I want to bring up the elephant in the room, which is Mastodon, which so many people are thinking about and moving towards. Is that something on your radar? Are you guys thinking about moving or setting up Mastodon accounts?
4: It's funny. I I just wrote the word on my little notepad here, <laughs> mastodon. <laughs> uh, yeah. So it's the, it's the elephant in the room for sure. Um, I joined today. Did you? Uh, yeah, I joined today. Now I I just did it to kind of create that space, and I don't. I, I'm still trying to figure it out. But but the problem here, and and look, I I love that there are these alternatives out there. Let's be honest, it's not really the alternative that we're looking for. I think it's because what these alternative sites are going to do, I think, is further polarize public discourse, right? So, you know, the alt-right have their alternative media that they go to and they've created this echo chamber. And I suspect Mastodon is going to become kind of a version of that for another sort of demographic in in society. You know, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm getting cynical in my old age. Yeah. But I, that that's that's a little bit of my worry, right? And the nice thing about having, um, you know, these these big platforms is that you are you do reach a, a pretty pretty broad audience. Um, and, and the other thing I think is really important to emphasize. I know I said this off the top, but you know. Lots and lots and lots of research tells us these platforms have a huge impact on public discourse. This is just not us speculating. There's a rich body of academic pretty nicely done empirical work that tells us that these platforms have have a huge have a huge impact and other studies have shown for example that if you know you get all your information from from social media you're more likely to be misinformed or likely to believe misinformation and that's because it's just permeated with misinformation the study on TikTok came out recently found that 20% of what is pushed on TikTok is has misinformation in it and for some topics like vaccines 50%, right? So uh, if our voices aren't on there, these big platforms that are accessed by you know, tens of millions of people, uh, those two numbers are, are just going to increase, They're just going to increase. So yeah, we've got to stay on. I, I think that these other websites like Mastodon are, are intriguing. And, and I, I think what I'll likely do, I don't know about you and your team, Sarah, I'll probably dabble in those and, and push content to them, you know, maybe replicate content that I've had in other platforms to 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 build a community on Mastodon. But but we want to try to to make sure that these other big platforms remain remain functional as long <laughs>
1: as long as possible. Yeah. Sara, is there dabbling in your future? Do you think?
3: I think I'm going to start by trying to get on Mastodon as, as me, as Sarah, and just like try to navigate it because, um, I hear it's not as user-friendly and not as accessible. So the interesting thing about being a, um, a social media strategist is, um, whenever a new app pops up, everyone goes, you're the social media girl. You'll know how to use it. But that (laughs) app came into my, like into my world the same day it came into all of yours. So I'm real quick, trying to figure this app out, trying to figure out how to optimize it, how to maximize it, how, um, what type of content's going to do well on it, what our reach could look like, um, how to even build a following, because I think I was a little bit spoiled coming into this role. Um, Mayor so he was already a politician. He already had a bit of a following, right? Um, I've definitely been able to grow it quite substantially, which I am happy about. I, I love social media and I'm sure that you can tell because I push out a lot of content from him. But there's, um, yeah, I'm going to have to figure this app out. And yeah, I agree with what Timothy said that like we'll, we'll find a way to push some content out there. We'll probably make an account. But I, it's not quite going to be the same as um, with Twitter and Facebook and, you know, LinkedIn and Instagram. And now, like, I mean, we have a blog on Medium and uh, we try to push out our long-form stuff onto there. Maybe maybe Mastodon works as, you know, read our blog, push it over there, check out our website, push it over there. But I agree, like, I'm, I'm wondering if this is going to turn into, like, left-wing or progressive, sorry, parlor. Like, is that what this is supposed to be? Are they not even remotely the same? I'm not too sure. I really hope Twitter doesn't die. Like, I'm hoping some... Vigilante <laughs> sweeps in and takes it away from Elon Musk. It's sad. It's I, I like. I'm really, really hopeful that we can save Twitter and that we can keep Twitter and that we can make Twitter a great place. But it's hard to say. These changes seem to be coming so rapidly. Every time I go on the internet and type on, type out Elon Musk changes to Twitter, there's something new. Or you go to his page and there's something new. I will say, I think these parody accounts of him are truly hilarious. <laughs> <I
0: see>. <laughs> <laughs>
3: But it's hard to say. He's a, he's a man with lots of ideas. But what's unfortunately more important is he's a, he, he's a, a white, cishet dude with billions of dollars. So I'm not too sure what the rest of us are supposed to do.
1: The Loop is a podcast from CBC Edmonton. And our team this week is Leslie Goldstone, Chris Martin, Sam Brooks, Corey Haberstock, and Olivia O. Oh. Our theme music is Change Your Mind by Edmonton musician John Common. And I'm Claire Bonnyman.
0: And I must say, what a team. What a team we have gathered here at The Loop. love it. And of course, I'm Mindari Wallen. We want to thank all of you for listening, taking the time to hear what we had to say this week. The Loop is recorded on Treaty 6 territory, traditional lands of the First Nations and Métis communities. If you want to get in touch with us, you can send us an email. It's pretty easy. Loop at cbc.ca. Leave us a rating or a review wherever you download the show. And you can find us on CBC Listen, or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: If it does blow up, any ideas what you want your last tweet to be?
4: Oh my gosh, that's a good question. (laughs) You know, okay, I have thought about this, and I don't think I want to say it out loud, but I will. I I have thought about this a little bit. I've decided I wouldn't say anything, i just go. And I'll tell you why. (laughs) Because... You know, something I face all the time is, um, you know, I made this decision earlier. I was on another radio show earlier and I almost said no to the producers of doing it because I'm just getting sick of the hate. I'm getting sick of the harassment. And uh, I said, no, if you if you say no, then then they're winning a little bit. Right. Mm -hmm. So I think if you leave silent silently, you're not at least giving them that kind of win that they chased you off the platform. Did that
1: make sense? Yeah, no, it totally does. A nice little Irish goodbye.
4: <laughs> an Irish goodbye. I use that all. That's the only, <laughs> only goodbye. <laughs> Sarah, would you would you go
1: quietly or or what would you think for your last tweet?
3: No, I am an <laughs> unhinged person. I, lo- so. I love
1: the like very firm. I love, no,
3: I love an Irish goodbye at a party <laughs> for sure. Oh, I would I would stir the pot a little bit. I'm not sure how. I would either say something super spicy, maybe a thread, and just leave the people with that and and then goodbye after, like, dropping some sort of, like, truth bomb. Or I would just have to Rickroll people and post a link to Never Gonna Give You Up by Rick Astley and just, but it would be a hidden link. Yeah. So they wouldn't know that's what it was when they clicked on it, and then it would take them there, and they would be confused, and that would be it.
4: For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.